G'day everyone, you're listening to Cameron and Riley on the Podcast Network. Today I've got an interview that I did a few weeks ago with two very interesting gentlemen. The first is a name I'm sure most of you have heard. He's one of the most famous chefs in the world, born in Austria, but uh, has lived in the United States for many years, has appeared on TV shows from Fraser to Las Vegas to Iron Chef America. He was in the film The Weatherman, and he runs a chain of restaurants uh, around the world, including one in Melbourne, I seem to recall, Wolfgang Puck. Alongside Wolfgang is a man by the name of Anthony Van Coovering. Anthony runs a company called Names at Work. And the reason I had them on the show a few weeks ago, it was a follow-up from the show that I did uh, a little bit back with Paul Toomey, the outgoing CEO of ICANN, the governing internet body. And Wolfgang and Anthony have come up with an idea for a top-level domain name, a TLD as it's referred to in the industry, like a .com or a .net or a .org. The one that they have come up with and submitted to ICANN is .food. I had them on the show a few weeks ago. We had a chat about why we need a .food and what benefit we as punters and also the, the restaurateurs, the producers of food will get out of a .food TLD. Here's my chat with Wolfgang Puck and Anthony Vancouvering. The Podcast Network is supported by Neo.org, a social network with a purpose, to transform the world by enabling people to transform themselves. And Tony Kynaston, our first TPN patron. Become a TPN patron or a member of the TPN 500 by visiting tpn.thepodcastnetwork.com. Well, thank you very much for chatting with us today. Let's talk about dot food. Who came up with the idea for dot food? I believe it was you, Wolfgang. Well, I'm in the food business for 45 years. And before that, my mother was in the food business for 40 years. So we are all a family of chefs, I guess so. And I thought, you know, not only we're in the restaurant business, but we're also in the convenience food business. We have frozen pizzas in the stores, appetizers and soups and so on. Plus, I think we do a lot of work with the school boards to give the kids better nutrition. And also for 27 years now, we saw, we support Meals on Wheels and other organizations which provide food for homebound people, for old people, for sick people, and so on. So you can think I'm in the food business. <laughs> well, you're one of the most famous chefs in the world, Wolfgang. I think, I think we knew you're in the food business, but, but why do we want a domain uh, extension of dot food. What what's that going to do for us? Well, I think it's certainly the internet the way it's going now. It's going to be more or less specialized, just like you have French restaurants and uh, Chinese restaurants. I think sooner or later people are going to have that food and that other names. You know, people want to have that eco or that movie or that music. So I'm sure a lot of top line top line domains going to be available and people are going to start using that. So, Anthony, is it the intention that restaurants and just food manufacturers, like f- food businesses of all types, will have a dot food domain, or is it just for restaurants? Yeah, it's self-selecting. I mean, it's going to be whoever wants to brand themselves with that with that name, so that when uh, you know when people are searching and they see something that has dot food. Uh, and they look there that there's uh, something related to to food, whether that's growing it or serving it or 
eating it. And the benefit for the consumer when they're viewing that website as opposed to a, you know, going finding a .com or a .com.au is that they know that this is a specialty food site. We'll be able to group these businesses together via TLD. Well, I don't know if they want to. I don't think consumers want to group businesses together. If they're looking for something related to that food, and they, they uh, to food, and they see a dot food, and they look there, and they know that that's what they're going to find. That's a very good clue to them uh, when they're searching that you know what they're looking for is going to be there. So if I was looking for a uh, a restaurant uh, and I saw something called restaurants dot food, that might be a lot better to me than uh, you know cityguide.com, for instance. So it's just a better indication that the information on that website is likely to be applicable. I think that has a lot to do with how you administer your top-level domain. If you just let it become like .com, which is an undifferentiated mess of everything, Mm -hmm. you know, .com doesn't mean anything. doesn't tell you what's there. Uh, I think with .food, uh, we're going to make an effort to make sure that the sites there are food-related. That's a pretty broad area, but it's definitely not tennis shoes. <laughs> so from a governance perspective, you'll be trying to make sure that it's only uh, relevant businesses that are able to register a dot .food domain. Not only that, we just don't want a lot of parking pages and yeah. ads and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So Wolfgang, as a, as a businessman, as a restaurateur, how do you see a dot .food domain name is going to enhance your business? Well, I think it's going to facilitate a lot of our customers' needs when they search for us or they search for any kind of food. If you want to look for a farmer and is that food, uh, you know, that way and not that come, that way it doesn't come up, you know, what can fact that food might be a farmer, but if you have that come, you might have uh, maybe a ammunition store or whatever it would be, you know. So I think it will make it much easier and faster to find what you want to know. As, a, as somebody who likes to cook at home, Wolfgang, I mean, the, the internet is one of the best things that has happened to, uh, you know, being able to be a home chef, I think. I can, I can not only find thousands or hundreds of thousands of great recipes, I can get onto YouTube and watch lessons on um, how to make the perfect scrambled eggs or how to properly cut an onion. What's your take on the impact that the internet has had on people's enjoyment of food. Have you noticed any significant changes? Well, I think it it is amazing because today, like for us in the restaurant business, you can find out what a restaurant has on the menu in Paris, in Los Angeles, or in Sydney, and you will find more and more similarities because people go on the internet, they hear about one famous chef or a famous restaurant, the next thing you see is a dish like that coming up in uh, in Moscow or somewhere like that, you know. So I think it helped a lot of people. But what I love about it is to get all this information quickly. If you want to know about chocolate, you know, you don't have to go to the library and see how it is processed. You go on the Internet and then in a very short time you get all the information. So I think it helped a lot. And you can see the young people are completely on the internet. I love to read newspapers and magazines still because I'm older. But I think the young people get everything from the internet. And and what ways do you think we can be using the internet to improve the uh, diet 
that people have. I, I think in, in certainly in Australia, we have a, a huge obesity problem at the moment. I think in the United States and England, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thought? I know you talked about um, you do a lot of stuff with schools, Wolfgang. Do you, do you yeah. see that there are opportunities for us to change people's dietary you, habits? You know what is the biggest problem is all these nutritionists and all these chemists, basically, who work for big conglomerates where they come up with different ideas to sell it to the people. Nobody's going to get rich. No food company going to get rich by selling carrots and peaches and grapes, you know. So they have to manufacture food to really make money. So when you look back in the 50s, all of a sudden they said, oh, margarine is better than butter. Then they found out it's all the trans fats who make the vegetable table oil at room temperature soluble is really, really much worse than regular butter. Then they claim all these things which are not true, you know, but one time it's oat bran and then it's uh, carotene and then you, you say, you know, I don't know, every vegetable or whatever, they said you have to eat that because we added that. And I just talked to somebody and they said, you know, he wanted to have simple milk for his kids and he couldn't get simple milk in the U.S. and maybe here too it has to have vitamin added, this added, and we always think that's the better way. At the end, I think if you walk down the produce aisle or you can go to the farmer's market and you buy fresh food and eat more of the vegetables, more fruit, and a little bit less meat, I think it would be the best diet for anybody. We don't need, I think, in a way, all this processed food, uh, which really are a big problem um, because most of them have a lot of sugar and a lot of fat in it. There's trans fat. I mean, in the U.S., they outlaw them now, but for how many years did we have them? So I think... Uh, Going back to the old ways might be better for all of us. We've seen a big rise in the slow food movement over the last four or five years. There's been quite a few books written about it. It seems to be a topic of discussion with with lots of people. Have you been involved in the slow food movement much, Wolfgang? Are you promoting you that? Know, I'm not so really like I know it came out of Italy and everything, and I have people who go to the conferences and everything. I always supported local farmers, local uh, ingredients, and, you know, even if it's a fisherman, like we get salmon from up north or we can get sand from Monterey, like when I live in, where I live in California. So I think that certainly makes things less expensive. We pollute less the air because we don't have to travel and transport everything all over the place. So we are very much into getting local farmers and uh, local purveyors, you know, to bring us our food. And I think, obviously, a lot of people out there don't have the time to cook something, like because if you want to braise a pork shoulder or short ribs or something like that, it takes a long time. But that's the way the grandmother used to cook. And I think at that time, we didn't eat also a pound of meat. You know, they ate a little bit because they didn't have the money often. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, Anthony, I wanted to ask you about the uh, donations from Dot Food. I believe that a portion of the proceeds are going to be donated to philanthropic organizations, Meals on Wheels, etc. Well, let me let uh, Wolfgang answer that because uh, he's in charge of that. Okay. Yeah. I think, you know, I'm involved, for example, to Meals on Wheels for 27 years since we opened our first restaurant in uh, City Meals on Wheels in New York and uh, Los Angeles and in different parts of the country also. And I think part of the proceeds, if whatever, it depends how much we're going to get from that, will go to that. But also 
part of it would go so we can foster the programs in schools and also hopefully for some culinary schools to give some endowment for poor people who cannot go to a culinary school, for poor children who can't go there. Well, that's terrific. And and with this funding, I believe that there's um, also some going to the something called the Culinary Institute of America um, yeah. scholarships. Uh-huh, exactly. That's what I was talking about. You know, this is for the most uh, recognized school in America about, uh, you know, becoming a chef. And I think... Uh, uh, it is really important also that because it's rather expensive, you know, it costs like $45,000. So wow. hopefully we can, you know, set up some scholarships for underprivileged uh, people. And I think because of television and everything, uh, the media, uh, a lot of young people want to become chefs. Not everybody can become a lawyer or a doctor. What about teaching people to, you know, eat more healthily uh, at home? Is, is that something that um, you, you've got as part of the plan? Well, I really believe, you know, that the parents, this days, the way they think they eat at home is opening a package from a supermarket, putting it in a microwave, and then sit down and watch TV. Yeah. That's not eating at home. I go with my children, for example, to the farmer's market on Sunday morning, and then even my two little boys are four and two, we peel the carrots or the asparagus and cook them and they taste them. And when we go to the market, I mean, my two-year-old loves goat cheese and he eats fresh goat cheese and he knows that the darker cherries are better than the lighter ones. So it is really amazing how much you can teach the kids from the beginning on, but you cannot make two sets of rules in the house. You eat one thing and the kids eat something other. So you have to eat vegetables and you have to eat fish and uh, show the kids that that is good. And once they get the taste for it, I think uh, they like it. My children love vegetables, they like fruits, and they get it all the time. We don't have cookies at home and candies at home and carbonated soft drinks and all that crap that people give their kids just to be quiet mainly. Yeah, I suspect that a lot of people think it's too difficult to uh, cook a decent meal at home, particularly a lot of people listening to this show, Wolfgang, they they tend to be uh, geeks. They tend to be people who spend their life in front of a computer. I actually do a cooking show online. It's called The Single Man's Guide to Cooking Good Shit, and it's for uh-huh. uh, it's it's for geeks to show uh-huh. them that even geeks can cook healthy food at home. That it's not that hard. Do you think? Do you think everybody can cook a decent meal if they? Uh, you know, everybody. If you can get access to good products at the beginning, you know, if you go to a decent market or if you are somewhere. Outside or in the cities, well, like in, in America, we have a lot of farmers markets and everything everywhere now. If you get good vegetables, whatever, like I do at home for my children, I don't make anything complicated. I put a pot with a steamer on top, a little salt in there, a little olive oil there, and then I steam the carrots, then add the broccoli and a little asparagus and maybe a little kohlrabi. And in uh, five minutes, I have great vegetables. I put a little olive oil on it, a little balsamic vinegar, and my kids love it. So anybody can do that at home. And the same thing is with a piece of fish. If you get a piece of fresh seafood, and especially here in Australia, you have such great seafood, that's not complicated to cook. You know, if you season it a little bit, put a little olive oil on it and throw it on a grill, maybe a little garlic and basil, and you will have a great dish. We often hear that uh, the, the people who have the unhealthiest diets are the people in the lower socioeconomic bracket because it's too expensive to eat healthily. Do you agree with that? Well, you know what? It, it is expensive in a way, but if you're smart, it is not that expensive because I really believe 
a lot of vegetables and uh, healthy grains are not that expensive. Instead of buying processed rice, like uh, in America we have Uncle Ben's rice, which is all done already, you buy brown rice. And brown rice certainly has much more nutrition than regular white rice. So you start with that. And if you buy meat, if you cook it slowly, you don't have to buy uh, lamb chops, you know, if you buy lamb shoulder and cook it slowly, maybe add some dried fruits to it, a little cumin, maybe a little thyme, and that's really good for you too then. So uh, instead of just buying the most expensive part, sure, it's difficult for a lower income family to say, okay, we're going to have steaks tonight, but there's more than from the beef than just steaks. You're making me hungry just by describing that, Wolfgang. Guys, <laughs> um, when is the uh, dot food domain going to be available for people to register? Well, uh, you know, ICANN has to go through its process, and we have to go through ICANN's process. Uh, we think that probably uh, at the end of next year is a reasonable time. It might be sooner, probably not much later. So look for uh, the third or fourth quarter of 2010. Okay, and Anthony, I know that your company is also involved in .eco and .nyc. What other TLDs uh, should we expect to see coming up over the next year? What do you think are some of the exciting ones? Well, uh, the ones we've announced at this show at ICANN are uh, .sfo for San Francisco, uh, .surf, which is being done by uh, Hurley Surf Company, and uh, Let's see, what other ones? Well, we have some announcements coming up, but I can't tell you what they are yet because we haven't announced them. But I think that not only us, but other companies are uh, looking at uh, mostly big generic words that describe industries uh, or affinity groups or geographical regions. Uh, we know that there are a lot of cities, for instance, that are uh, interested in uh, getting their top-level domain. No, oh, fantastic. Well, it's it's a... It's something that I, I still struggle to get my head around, somebody who's been used to .com for 15 years, but um, it seems like it's, there's a lot of excitement. It's going to make a lot of sense. Thanks for chatting to us, and um, I look forward to you know seeing all of these .food domains towards the end of next year, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy your Bye-bye. Diet. Thank you.